Good morning. morning. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 6, 14 through 29. King Herod heard about it because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he's Elijah. Still, others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets from long ago. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, the brother, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. An opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He promised her with with an oath, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, she said. At once she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter immediately. Although the king was deeply distressed because of his oaths and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went ahead and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about it, They came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So let's all acknowledge that this story is weird. Yeah. Let's just look at that elephant in the room and call it out. This is a strange story. And as I explain it to you, it's probably going to get even more strange to you. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons we would even talk about the story is because it's just our practice as a church to preach through books of the Bible. So this is the next story. So we're going to dig into it. The point of the story is that it demonstrates that it is dangerous to hear God's word and not seek to obey it. It is dangerous to hear God's word and not seek to obey it. Herod is an example of the pain that comes from hearing God's word and not obeying. Herod, he's an example of kind of the sinful decline or the sinful uh, fall that comes from, from hearing God's word and not obeying it. And Herod is ultimately an example of death that is caused by hearing yet not obeying God's word. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, Would you help us to understand your word? Would you speak to us? Lord, would it not just be an interesting or strange story, but would you use it because it is your word to speak to us this morning? Lord God, that we would take 
your warnings seriously and that we would run to you and cling to you and seek help from you to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the first little part, um, if, if you hadn't been reading the story, it seems abrupt. In verse 14, it says, King Herod heard about it. What is it? What did he hear about? So in the previous verses, it talks about how Jesus was going around and doing miracles and preaching the gospel, and his disciples were doing the same. And they were praying for people, and people were getting healed. So he heard about this miraculous uh, preacher who was doing miracles, okay? So that, that's what he heard about. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. He's like, who is this? But others said he's Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets from long ago. When Herod heard, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. What this teaches us is that a guilty conscience will accuse us. Now, you already heard the story, so you, so you know what he did to John the Baptist, how he essentially murdered or had him beheaded, and he's still feeling the weight of that guilt. And so when he hears this story that he doesn't quite know all the details, his guilty conscience is speaking up to him going, you remember what you did? See, uh, he, he immediately thought about how he responded to the preaching of the word of God. He heard God's messenger, John the Baptist, and instead of obeying, instead of submitting, instead of repenting, he killed him instead. And so he was afraid that maybe John would come back from the dead to haunt or to punish him. Now, we know that's not what happened. We know it was talking about Jesus, but it's interesting how it illustrates how our conscience is at work in our hearts. And the reality is this, is that God has given you a conscience that you cannot entirely escape. There are times when, when, this is so funny, there are times when those who are near serious Christians will assume that there is judgment, but often it's their own conscience. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the room, I ain't said or done nothing, and look, people look at me and say, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't even know what you are talking about. Like, what? what? <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I don't know you. You don't know me. What's up? You know, I don't understand. Or, or, or they'll say something and look at me like, my, my bad. I'm like, look, I'm not the, the verbal police. Like, you can say what you want to say. It is, it is really interesting because there's this assumption of judgment. But why is it that there that assumption? It's because the guilty, guilty conscience is speaking. And when there is an, an opportune time for the conscience to speak louder, it takes that. And then the reaction of a guilty conscience, if you don't want to obey it, is angry. It's interesting that, that the witness of God's moral standard still exists in every single human heart. So even though he had rejected the external word of God, he could not get away from the fact that the law of God, in some sense, was imprinted on his heart. What's, what's interesting is that still exists today. Now, here's the interesting thing. Everybody disagrees in our culture about what should be the right morality. But nobody disagrees that there should be one. Right? Everybody, everybody's up in arms about what they think is right. And usually what happens is they'll take a piece of, of biblical revelation, they'll take a piece of Jesus' teachings, and then they'll take that and they'll make it the ultimate. So they say, oh, we need to be compassionate. And then the, 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 the rule, the moral rule of compassion begins to rule everything. But if they're really honest, they don't actually stand up to the moral rule of compassion. 
Or maybe, or maybe it's we have to do the right commands and, and, and we, we forget compassion, but we just got to do what's right. But if they're honest with themselves, they don't meet the own, their own standards. That's the most interesting. People will argue with you about what standards are right. But here's a question you can just ask yourself. You can say, ask them, what is your standard? And they tell you, da, 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 da. And then just say, do you meet it? Do you meet your own standard? Now, listen, if they're going to be honest, they're going to say, well, not all the time. There are pieces and, 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 and imprints of, of the moral law on every human heart. And the only way that we don't listen to it is if we pl- plug our ears and go, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. And that anger, the, the fact is that if we don't listen to the truth, we will punish the messenger. In verse 17, it says, For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So let's, what is going on? What, what, let, let me tell you. Herod has stolen his brother's wife. That's what's going on in the situation. This is, this is from a, a study Bible, the Caesar Study Bible. It summarizes it like this. Herodias was formerly married to Herod's half-brother, Herod Philip. They like the name Herod. And had a daughter with him named Salome. Herod and Antipas, that's the Herod in the story, convinced Herodias to leave Philip and marry him instead. To clear the way, the Herod in the story had to divorce his own wife. That's messy. Yeah? What's interesting is you don't even have to be particularly religious to go, that's what did y'all do it? Like, you know, that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even like it was like this, this, this really uh, uh, obscure moral law. It's everybody who was watching it was like, I don't know if that's okay, but that's what you went ahead and did. Everyone knew it was wrong, and not only this, it was, it was explicitly condemned in the scriptures. As you know, look, committing adultery, that, that is a sin, and there's specific uh, laws, particularly about taking your brother's wife, which apparently must have been a thing back in the day, because they had to make a law about it, so whatever. The, 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 there is an inward, subjective testimony of the conscience. We know in our guts, ah, something, that something is not okay with what just happened, and then there's an outward, objective testimony of the scripture, that no matter if you think it's okay or not, there, God says it's not okay, and John the Baptist was not afraid to tell Herod the truth about his sin. Now think about this. He was in jail and Herod had in his power to do whatever he wanted to do with John the Baptist. So the fact that he spoke the truth to Herod's face meant that he was incredibly bold and that he understood it was incredibly dangerous. He didn't tickle ears. Now, tickle ears, that's, that's what Apostle Paul would say when, when we hear messages and preachings that just make us feel good. Because it tells us what we want to hear. That's not what John the Baptist was about. He went about that life. He was going to tell you the truth. No matter if it tickled your ears or stabbed you in the heart. And Herod arrested John because he did not want to repent. What I love about about John's preaching is that it never was like nebulous. You you didn't leave John's preaching going, what does God want me to do? Listen, Herod left knowing exactly, oh, I should probably not do the thing that I just did. It was not ambiguous. See, the word of God addresses real sin in real time that requires real repentance. 
And we look at John the Baptist, we have to understand that we cannot be afraid to speak the truth of God's word to anyone. There's a lot of speech uh, in some Christian circles, and, and, and it's, it's the, the, the phrase is speak truth to power. Some of you might have heard that, but, but, but what's interesting is, is in this example, John is not on Facebook writing a long post about being angry. He's not joining a chorus of people who are saying the same thing so that he can, oh, I, I should probably say that too. He is directly in the face of the person that he is rebuking. That is, is what speaking truth to power is. Biblically, he gave a direct verbal rebuke to the person in power. See, listen, I'm quite sure that if you were to go to hear John the Baptist's sermons and he wasn't in front of Herod, he wouldn't have been talking about Herod. I, in fact, I know that because we can look at the sermons and he is always addressing the people who are right in front of him. So soldiers come to him and he's like, hey man, I know you're a soldier. Don't be taking advantage of your power. Now, it wouldn't make sense for him to start, start talking to soldiers if they weren't there because, listen, listen, you can get real popular talking about other people who are not in your presence. But that, that's, that's not the biblical idea of speaking to the power. The, the idea is that you are looking at somebody in their face and you are telling the truth to them, not to gain an applause by those who don't like them, but because you're seeking real repentance from that person. So, so we must speak God's word no matter the consequence. Maybe you need to say that hard thing to the person you care about. You ever been in that situation? Like, I, I need to say, it's going to be awkward when I say this. They're going to get mad when I say this. But I think it's true, and I think I should say it. I don't know how the relationship is going to turn out. I don't know. But listen, whatever. We have to speak God's truth. Or maybe you need to speak truth to the person that could really negatively affect your life. Maybe, maybe they could do some damage, but you still need to say some true things to them. If we're going to follow in the example of John the Baptist, whom, whom Jesus said that there, there, there is nobody else has been born that is, that is righteous like him. If we're going to follow in that example, then we speak truth no matter if that person holds some influence or power over us, or if that's a close person, because not, not because we want to be mean to people or because we just want to give ourselves a pat on the back. John the Baptist's desire wasn't just to, like, like mess with Herod. He's like, no, no, you, I, want, I want to help you. And what you're doing isn't good. So I need to tell you this thing that might hurt you. But I'm telling you to help you. Now, now when we get to the next part of the scripture, we, we see that, that the fact that, that Herod couldn't quite make up his mind on what he wanted to do caused a lot of confusion. His double-mindedness caused a lot of confusion. Verse 19, it says, So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, John the Baptist. But she could not, because Herod feared John and protected him. See these conflicting thoughts? He feared John and protected him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. Apparently, there, there's some stuff going, like, he's getting, Herod is like, ah, you know, he's, he's, he's like not quite understanding how to respond. He's like, I know he's telling the truth, but I don't want to do what he wants to say, and he speaks real nice, but he's calling me out. I don't know what to do. See, Herodias wanted to kill John because he spoke the truth about sin. And again, we see in this text that the desire to lash out because of sin that is addressed. 
And we also get this from the text that Herod knew that John was right. But he didn't want to release him, nor did he want to obey him. You see this conflict that I imagine was really tearing him up. He knew it was right, but he could not bring himself to repent. So he just sat in this unpleasant place of conviction and rebellion. A place where there's, real, there's no real joy, there's, there's no real peace, there's the inner conflict is screaming in your mind. You're like, I know what's right, but I don't want to do it. And he just sat there. Sat there in it. And what's interesting is, is the text says that he liked to hear John the Baptist preach. Which, which some could mistake the desire to listen to preaching as a desire to repent. But that is not what the text says. Just because you like to hear some good preaching does not mean that you follow Jesus. You might just think it's interesting, you think it sounds good, or, or maybe there's a party that knows it's true, but if you don't obey what the Word of God says, your liking preaching does not matter. In fact, it just condemns you even more. It's, it, Jesus is very clear, it's not those who hear the Word of God who are right, it's the ones who obey. And so look at the confusion and the destructiveness in, in all the parties involved. So Herodias, Herodias what a name. She, she's angry. She wants to kill John the Baptist. Herod's like, ah, you know, he's perplexed. He likes hearing it, but doesn't like hearing it. And John the Baptist is in jail. Everybody involved is having a really bad time. Why? Why? Because the person who needed to repent did not. Straddling the fence of sin and righteousness only causes pain for you and for everybody around you. Now, y'all, the story's about to get real weird. It was already weird to begin with, but it's about to get real weird. Verse 21, an opportune time came on his birthday, Herod, when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He promised her with an oath, whatever you ask me, I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. What we see is this, that a seared or an ignored conscience makes evil decisions. So, so let's point out the really strange and frankly disgusting aspect of what's happening. The, the, the girl who was dancing is at the same time his niece and his stepdaughter. And she wasn't doing a hokey pokey, y'all. Okay? <laughs> I just say we're going to say it like that. That's not what was going down. All right? A bunch of dudes trying to see somebody dance. They're they not doing line dancing, okay? This is disgusting. His own niece and his stepdaughter? What, what, what is going on? What, what happened to his mind in which he thought that that was okay? Why was that acceptable? It was obviously wrong. Yet he didn't only allow it to happen, but he was sucked into the evil of it. And you look at him, and you're like, what, what, where, what kind of mental space was he at to be there? <laughs> How could he have participated in and enjoyed this? Listen, because he already trained his heart to ignore conviction. 
every time he heard the word of God and didn't do it. He was training his heart to ignore conviction, to ignore a moral compass, to ignore what is right and wrong. Listen, you can't sit and listen to the word of God and be unchanged. Either you obey or you are hardened, but it's not a neutral effect on you. Something happens to you. So if you hear God's commands and consistently say, no, no, not today, not now, I'm not going to do it. Your heart is hardened and your ability to discern what is right and wrong is damaged. So you look at him and go, well, that's obviously wrong. How could he even do that? Because he had been training his heart and foolishness day after day by listening to what was right and deciding repeatedly not to do it. We, we hear about stories of, of people who, who like, they, they fell into some horrible sin. You're like, well, how did it? That, that's how. Because they listened to God's word. And it might have started something small, something little. No, nah, I ain't going to listen. But over days and months and years, that trains the heart to not listen. And it, and it, 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 it makes your ability to discern. It makes it off. He lived a life in which he delighted in preaching, but he didn't obey. Therefore, he made his conscience untrustworthy because he seared it or he burned it. He, he, he messed it up. See, listen, we need to understand the danger of listening to the word and not obeying it. The danger is this. The danger is this, is that you end up like here doing something that everybody knows is wrong, but in the moment you can't tell the difference. You, I don't, nah, it's cool. I, I'll do it later. I ain't going to do it right now. No, no, no. You're going you're gonna to mess up your conscience, and you're going to find yourself in such sin that even those who are not Christian are like, what are you doing? Why would you be in that spot? Because you have trained your mind over and over again to ignore the warnings from God. Therefore, he gives you over to that which you want. I don't want to be there. I don't want you to be there. And again, it's really easy to look at the, 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 look at the specifics of, of this particular situation and go, that's real messed up. And it is. It is real messed up. But pay attention to how he got there by listening to God's word and repeatedly not obeying. And, and the reality is his, his duplicity, his two-facedness, his indecision, his, his sitting on the fence, in regards to obedience, it produced death. In verse 25, at once she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter immediately. Although the king was deeply distressed, he's, there's still some conflict going on, right? He was deeply distressed because of, his, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. See, he, he trained himself not to really care too much about what people thought, but he was really, uh, what God thought, but he was really attuned to what other people thought. He cared more about the opinions of others than God's truth. And the only way that you get there is by consistently ignoring what God is speaking to you through his word. And this, this sick and twisted tale of sin 
ended up in the death of John the Baptist. And that's the biblical testimony. What Paul says in Romans 1, the wages of sin is death. What what comes after sin, what you earn when you sin, it is death. And we see it played out in this text. And again, you'll go, how could it get that bad? But if you train yourself to listen to, to enjoy, to delight in hearing God's word, yet not obey, this is the result. Then you get to verse 29, it says, when John's disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. And y'all, then the scripture starts talking about something else. It just, the story, this is the end of story, next thing. And you, and you can read the story and go, well, dog, John the Baptist, he really got the short end of the stick there. And in reality, he did. But here's something that you need to know, is that in the end, the word of God will be vindicated. In the end, the word of God will be vindicated. There's this, there's this preacher from the 400s. His name was also John. His preaching was so good that his last name, they started to call him Golden Mouth. I mean, you, you, you preach got to be dope for that. John the Golden Mouth boy, okay? And this is what he says about this passage. He says, as for John, he immediately inspired fear in Herod after his murder. For fear was disturbing Herod's conscience to such an extent that he believed John had been raised from the dead and was performing miracles. Listen to this. In our own day and through all future time, throughout all the world, John continues to refute Herod, both through himself and through others. For each person repeatedly reading this gospel says, it is not lawful for you to have the wife of Philip, your brother. And even apart from the reading of the gospel and assemblies and meetings at home or in the market, in every place, even to the very ends of the earth, you will hear this voice and see that righteous man even now still crying out, repeating loudly, reproving the evil of this tyrant. He will never be silenced, nor the reproof at all weakened by the passing of time. See, the reality is like, like at the end of the day, we're 2,000 years later on a different continent. And whose word are you hearing? John the Baptist. The word of God spoken through him. Listen, the reality is that, that, that the word of God stands the test of time. It lasts forever. And listen, listen, you follow the word of God now or that very word will be a testimony against you. That's, 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 that's something that Jesus said. He's, he's, he's talking to, to people. He's preaching. He's like, listen, listen. When it comes judgment day, I'm not going to say nothing about you. My word's going to say something about you. The fact that you heard it and you decided not to do it, that is a testimony against you. So do you not see that there is a deep importance of hearing and obeying God's word. We see in the example of, of Herod the path of listening and not obeying God's word leads to death. So, so let's be careful to obey what the Lord instructs us to do. I hear, the, hear the, these words from Jesus in Matthew 7. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse 
because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. You can hear that, that metaphor, that, that word picture from Jesus, or you can just look at the example of Herod. Or let's just be honest, we can look in the example of our own life and know this to be true. The way to build a house that can withstand is not simply listening. It's through obedience. So the question is this, the question is, when, when, the, when the word of God reveals our sin, like it did to Herod, and like it may be doing to you right now, what do you do with it? What, what is the proper response to conviction? Beloved, the proper response to conviction, conviction is going directly to Jesus when our sin is revealed. Listen, Herod's public and repeated sin put him in an awkward place. But, but imagine if, if instead of simply ignoring John, John the Baptist's warning, he was open with him and said, listen, can you help me? Imagine, that, that would have changed, that would have flipped the script. Not even if he said, I'm a, I know exactly what he, okay, look, you, you just said some stuff, and I, I feel convicted about it. Can, can you, what would I do? Help me. Help, I, 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 put my, I got myself in this weird situation. I don't know what to do. I'm not, can you, I'm, I'm put, I'm, I've done this public sin. Everybody knows what it is. Like, can, can you help me, though? Like, man, the story would have gone much differently. I'm not even talking about if Herod knew exactly how to repent. But if he just would have said, can you help me? Help me figure it out. I'd, I'd have messed up. But what kind of story would we have read? See, instead of rejecting God's command or hiding our sin, what if we came to the Lord to ask for forgiveness and help to overcome sin. See, here's the truth of the gospel. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you don't have to wonder if he is willing to forgive you. It's not a question mark. It don't matter how, mess how bad you messed up. Will he forgive you? Did he die on the cross? The yes. So then he is willing to forgive you. So listen, listen. One of the, the reasons that we stay entrapped in sin is because we don't actually believe that God will forgive us. But we have some facts that we recite every week that Christ died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again. And because of what he has done, God the Father will always forgive us if we repent honestly. And not only that, you can expect divine help to overcome sin if you would confess it, if you would confess it. See, we need to be people who choose open struggle with sin over hard-heartedness. There may be some in the room who right now, maybe the Lord is convicting you in one area and you're not repenting. You're like, okay, okay, cool. But what, if that's me, what you want me to do? Well, Number one, you got to seek Christ. Confess your sin openly, openly to him and ask him to both forgive you and cleanse you. But Christ has also provided this community, the church. And beloved, sin thrives in the dark. 
So if you really, really, really want to be for real about, about saying no to sin, you would confess it to a brother or a sister. You would drag it into the light. But that doesn't mean that you have all the answers about how exactly do I repent? What exactly do I say? How do I rectify what I've done? That doesn't mean that you have to come up with all that. But you would go, I'm, I'm, I'm in a mess and I need your help. Beloved, would, would you come? Like we have opportunities. Like, like, like we have opportunities for prayer, to come up for prayer each Sunday. That could be an opportunity for, go, for you to go, listen, I've been convicted. And I don't know, I don't know exactly which step to go. But this is, where I, this is where I'm at and will you pray for me? Or we have these, these groups, these growth groups that meet throughout the week. That, that, that could be some people whom you could say, listen, I, I feel convicted about this. Listen, this, this very week I was talking about a, a, a situation to my growth group. I'm like, I, don't, I, I feel like I have an issue with this person. I don't even know exactly the right way how to address it, but I can't just let it be. Can you pray for me? Listen, listen, to be open and honest, no, you don't have to have all the answers, but you just bring it out into the light. Our beloved, would you, would you not meet with me or one of the elders and the leaders of the church? Like, we are here to go, listen, let's, let's highlight and let's put that, that sin in the light and let's trust the Lord to deal with it. Because I don't want to end up like Herod. I don't want you to end up like Herod. I want you to live in the light of God's word. That we will be the pe people who hear God's word and seek to obey it. There is life and joy and peace there. So, Jesus Christ, would you help us to do it? Let's pray. Jesus, would you please convict us of, of sin, of, of of, of areas where, where we have heard your word, but, but our hearts have grown hard. Lord, would you help us to, to, to confess our sin, to confess our sin to our brothers and sisters so that we could, could live in the light, receive forgiveness, and receive cleansing. Lord, I pray that our church would be a place um, where, where, where sin could be confessed and and, and the first response is, is not guilt and shame heaped upon, but it's, it's a pointer to Christ, a pointer to the cross. That we have a Savior who, who loves us, who knows our sin even more than we do, and chose to die in our place anyway. That is how great his love is. And would you help us to imitate him? as we all seek to live in the light. Lord, we want to be a church that reflects you. We want to be a people that honor you with what we say and what we do. So Lord, please examine us, highlight areas of repentance, and give us strength by the Holy Spirit to walk into the light. In Jesus' name, amen.